Hello, and welcome to Freaking Out About Work with Randy Freaking, the podcast about everything related to your work, your rights and responsibilities in the workplace, whether you are a minimum wage worker, a blue or white collar employee, or an executive. If you work for a living, this podcast is for you. It contains important information that your perspective, current, or former employer does not want you to know, including the basics of your rights and obligations in the workplace, as well as practical tips on how to level the playing field regarding issues that arise every day on the job. Each future episode will feature an expert on the workplace or a guest who may tell us about his or her particular occupation. In this episode, I am honored to have a special guest with us, Aaron Heydrich, a rising star in Cincinnati's employment law and school law sectors to talk about the coronavirus pandemic and how this health emergency may affect work as we know it and the legal protections for workers who have either lost their jobs or who are at risk of losing their jobs as a result of the pandemic. Aaron is a summa cum laude law school graduate who, before law school, was a high school English teacher, of all things. While in law school, she was an AmeriCorps JD clerk at the Legal Aid Society of Greater Cincinnati and a student clinician at the Children's Law Center in Covington, Kentucky. Today, she represents children and their parents in school discipline, discrimination, and special education matters, and she represents employees in all areas of employment law. Erin is quickly becoming one of the local experts on the rights of employees who are affected by the coronavirus crisis. In 2019, Erin was identified as one of Ohio's super lawyers, rising stars among younger lawyers. I have had the privilege of working with Erin for the last five years or so, and she was a ferocious yet measured advocate for students, teachers, and workers, whether they are lower wage, middle wage, or the various highest wage earners in our community. She is an expert on working. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks, Randy. Nice to be here. Great. Before we start our discussion with Aaron, I would like to give a brief overview of our first episode and then provide an introduction to our topics today. In our first podcast, we gave a general overview of what this podcast series will be about. But more importantly, we talked about two big topics. First, how the concept of working has changed in the last 50 years since the publication of Studs Terkel's best-selling book, in 1974, simply entitled Working, and the importance of workers finding dignity in work, and the conundrum about how technology in the last half century has allowed many of us to become more efficient, and yet there's still so much financial insecurity for workers. I trace some of this phenomenon to the widespread elimination of pensions beginning in the late 1970s, and the replacement of pensions with 401k plans that supposedly would allow workers to be more in control of their retirement. In my opinion, the decision by corporate America to eliminate pensions can be traced to the greed of executives who now earn unjustified multiples of wages compared to the wages of lower-level workers. In stark contrast to the executives who ran corporate America for the first two-thirds of the 20th century. This phenomenon is little talked about, but it was a major societal shift in how corporate America viewed the relationship between workers and executives. When executives earned smaller multiples of wages compared to lower lower-level workers, and included pensions to for workers for retirement as part of their compensation, there was more financial security for workers described by Studs Terkel back in 1974. 
Since the late 1970s, pensions have largely vanished and the earnings of the top 1% of Americans nearly tripled while middle-class wages have been frozen for four decades after adjusting for inflation. A child's chance of earning more than his or her parents has plummeted from 90% to 50%. Nearly one in five children in the United States are now at the risk of going hungry, and among the 35 richest countries in the world, the United States now has the highest infant mortality rate and the lowest life expectancy. That's incredible. Our lowest paid employees now work longer hours, have longer careers, and have greater insecurity about retirement. It is a somewhat depressing picture when you compare the fate of the lower class and the middle class today with the fate of the lower class and the middle class in the years following the Great Depression of the 1930s. In short, corporations and politicians have created a system in the country that is more unequal and less fair. There are, of course, many causes of this, and this major societal shift is explained in great detail in one of my favorite books called, quote, Who Stole the American Dream? by Hedrick Smith. It is definitely worth a read. You will be stunned by how this shift has occurred and the many reasons for it. Now we find ourselves in the midst of a pandemic caused by the coronavirus. As we publish this podcast, over 10 million American workers became unemployed just in the last few weeks. The unemployment rate may soon rival the Great Depression of the 1930s, and the vast majority of the unemployed are in the lowest paid jobs that can only be performed in factories, warehouses, restaurants, and the like that are now off limits as America deals with the crisis. At the same time, many higher-paid workers and executives have been told to get out of their offices and work at home. Unlike the lowest-paid workers, these employees are not at the same level of risk of losing their jobs because technology allows them to do their jobs away from their normal workplaces. Now, this is not to say that all higher-paid workers are not at any risk of losing their jobs because, for example, Many white-collar workers, such as salespeople, need to travel for their jobs, and there are significant restrictions on travel and, of course, the demand for products utilized by the factories and warehouses have either declined or been shut down. So anyway, today we want to talk about a couple of broad topics related to the coronavirus. First, Aaron Heydrich and I want to briefly talk about the coronavirus pandemic will cause a significant change in work in America. It seems like there is a massive forced socioeconomic experiment going on with millions of Americans as the guinea pigs. When Aaron is 50 years older than she is today, will she be doing a podcast talking about how the pandemic caused a fundamental shift in America? much like the elimination of pensions in the late 1970s? This subject is not intended to provide the answers, but simply to raise a awareness of a potential fundamental change in the way we work. The second topic we're going to talk about today involves the legal protections for workers who have lost or at, are at risk of losing their jobs because of the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, so enough of me uh, giving that little intro. Aaron, again, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, I saw a couple of recent surveys. I don't know if you saw them or not, but one, one of them said that 88% of large organizations have encouraged or required employees to work from home. And another said that 26% of people surveyed had actually moved from the office to home as a result of the pandemic. 
one quarter of the workforce. Now, this, uh, the, this leads to a number of questions. What do you think will happen when the pandemic is over and life returns to normal? Well, Randy, I was born in 1981, so I'm an early millennial. And it's no secret that millennials who make up about half of the workforce now value job flexibility above almost everything else. I've seen some studies that say that millennials would even take a pay cut in exchange for more flexibility at work. So I think this pandemic is likely to solidify a shift that has already been happening, which is giving workers, and I'm, I'm mostly talking about office workers here, the flexibility to work from home. It, it seems to me that the two big barriers to that in the past have been one, the infrastructure, so having the means to access your work remotely, and two, convincing skeptical employers that when people work from home, it doesn't mean they're goofing off. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody thinks you're, you're shopping or you're doing your fantasy football or your fantasy baseball or whatever instead of working, I think, is the perception of many. I, I, and I want to say older executives and managers and supervisors who are just unfamiliar with this. I think you're right. I think it's really a generational shift as millennials come into the workforce who grew up you know, with technology, they're just more comfortable with the idea that technology enables them to to do work wherever they are. And this pandemic and the stay-at-home orders have forced companies to sort of iron out the wrinkles in their work-from-home infrastructure. And I believe that it also will give skeptical employers an opportunity to see that there actually can be benefits to giving employees the flexibility to work from home. And I think that is likely to increase the ability of employees to work from home in the future. Now, this is not all perfect, right? Because there is something to be said about, you know, we it's, it's like the uh, quarantine order now. You know, people don't like to be stuck in their houses. We want to go out. We want to socialize with people. We want to walk down the hallway at work. Um, to talk to a colleague. So what are some of the cons of this shift? If if everybody starts working from home, what is the bad side of that? Yeah. I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is, as you say, not being around colleagues. Um, there's an important social outlet that comes from being around your colleagues. And there's also an important collaboration that happens in an office, especially, you know, in our office, a law firm, it's important that we be able to have access to our colleagues to, to float ideas and, and see, you know, what, what the next right step is. Um, you know, Randy, as you know, my best friend works at our office with us and studies show that people who have a best friend or a friend at work are, are just more productive. So I think as, more people move toward working at home, some of those social bonds could, the, the, lo- the loss of some of those social bonds could negatively impact productivity. Um, when you're at home, it's also harder to separate home life from work life. I don't think that people goof off as much as employers sometimes suspect they do, but it's pretty easy when you're at home on your lunch break to just uh, watch that next episode on Netflix instead of coming back to work. Um, you know, my, my husband and I don't have kids, but in talking to people who do, I know it's been a real challenge to meet the needs of kids who are all at home during the day. And, you know, your spouse is also working at home in most cases. So I think that that really complicates um, the current situation. And, and people who are working from home just in general may feel like an added pressure to prove to their boss that, are act- that they are actually working, which doesn't really come into play as much if you're actually in the office. Uh, you know, as you were talking, I had a couple thoughts, you know, um, and these are things I hadn't really thought about and maybe getting off topic a little bit, but heck, the number of marriages in our country may go down. A lot of people meet their spouse, their future spouse at work, you know? And and then I and I and then I thought about the flip side. I thought, well, maybe there'll be a lot less sexual harassment going on. It's hard to harass your colleague in a in uh two suburbs away from you, you know? (laughs) Well, I don't know, Randy. I think people who are determined to sexually harass can get very creative with how they do it. But, (laughs) uh, but I agree with you. It, I mean, if if you're not married right now, meeting somebody to date, you know, even going on a date would violate the social distancing order. And I don't know where you would go anyway, because all the restaurants and bars are closed. So we'll have, we'll have to see how this all plays out. 
Yeah, and we talk about, we kind of laugh about people uh, watching Netflix at lunch or whatever, fooling around with fantasy football. You know, those are things people did in their offices anyway. Um, but I also saw another study who said that, which said that 25 or so percent of workers said since they've switched to telecommuting, they actually work more. Talk a little bit about that and the pressure. Or you kind of talked about the, the the hard thing to separate work from home. Yeah, you know, right now my office is in my kitchen, right, and so it, it's hard at the end of the day to sort of have that mental separation of, okay, I'm leaving the office and going into my personal life now. Um, my computer still dings whenever an email comes in and it's really tempting just to check it and respond to it. And, and you, you kind of feel this pressure to sort of always be working because your work is right there. Um, so I think that in, in some ways, maybe it, it does make us work harder. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because I I often joke about the, you know, the good old days. In the 1990s, somebody had to send you a letter. <laughs> and you could always say, "Hey man, I didn't get your letter. <laughs> the post the postal service hasn't delivered it yet." <laughs> it's pretty hard to do that with emails. I guess you, and you I, could always claim it went to your spam folder, but yeah, it's it's not quite as easy. <laughs> That's right. Now we talk about uh, some of the way this is going to impact the workers and their work. But what about the benefits to the company and companies of of people working from home? Yeah, I, I think this might um, show workers that that they have or show employers that they have less of a need for big office space. Um, if more workers can work from home more often, maybe these big physical workspaces will become a thing of the past. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier about how workers, especially millennial workers, prioritize flexibility as a part of their job search criteria. And, and the demand for that flexibility is only going to grow. So I think that if employers now are being forced to iron out their work from home policies, it may make them more attractive to millennial workers in the future. And I guess there can be kind of a a space problem at home, right? You need to have the space in order to work from home and you have to have the technology. Yep, that's certainly true. Uh, and it, it's not easy. I think most people are realizing now that uh, that working from home maybe isn't as glamorous as it at first seemed. Uh, but it, I think it would be nice, you know, when life goes back to normal, assuming it does one of these days, just to have the flexibility to work from home occasionally as needed and also be in the office as needed. It, it'd be nice to have, have both options. Yeah, it's kind of like we talk about work-life balance at work. Now, now maybe we need like work office and home office balance. Uh, well, you know, all of this is really going to be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, hopefully uh, we don't have these stay-at-home orders for more than another month or two or three, and maybe in September, October, we'll see whether people really prefer to go back to the office or whether everybody wants to stay at home. <laughs> um but you know, let's. Um, I just think that's some. It's it's kind of fun to speculate about all that, and we'll just see how it plays out. Hey, let's move to an area that we don't have to speculate about as much about what's going to occur in the future. Now, the pandemic has forced the government to pump trillions of dollars into the economy, and I know they're they're still talking about even. Uh, pumping more trillions of dollars into the economy to help people pay their bills. We've got stays on commercial mortgages, commercial rent, things like that. Uh, let's now talk about the legal rights of workers uh, in light of this pandemic. Now, in Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine and Ohio Health Director Dr. Amy Acton issued a stay-at-home order directing all non-essential businesses to close effective, I don't know, 10 days or so ago. So Aaron, what exactly is an essential business? 
Well, I think this is mostly pretty common sense, although as we've seen in the last few days, some employers um, maybe don't think so. But but obviously, healthcare providers need to stay open. Pharmacies need to stay open. Grocery stores need to stay open. Um, non-essential businesses would be things like tattoo parlors, nail salons, um, hair salons, most retail locations, bars, et cetera. Uh, But there has been some debate about this. Probably a lot of people have seen the debate over Hobby Lobby stores. You know, Hobby Lobby and Michaels and other craft stores have been saying they need to stay open because they sell things that help people with homeschooling and give give people something to do to fight boredom. But Ohio and other states have disagreed and sent cease and desist orders. So we'll have to stay tuned to see how all that plays out. Well, how about services like law firms and doctor's offices? Yeah, excellent question. So law firms and other professional services like accounting um, are considered professional services that that people need. So so they're essential services. Now, our law firm, for instance, stays open during this time, but we're all working remotely to try to balance uh, the social distancing order with the essential services that we provide. You know, this has to be the first time anybody declared that lawyers were essential. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're usually listed at the bottom of the totem pole, I think, you know. Well, maybe uh, we'll finally get the respect we deserve. (laughs) That's right. I know you are essential to the operations of freaking Myers and Rule, for example. Likewise, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, you know, I like to joke, I like to call you Brockovich, uh, Aaron Brockovich. So uh, this is great that you're becoming such an expert on these laws applying the coronavirus. And I'm sure the calls are coming into the office. Um, so Aaron, you know, if I work for an essential business that is staying open, what should my employer be doing to keep me safe? Yeah. So Randy, this is a uh, an issue we're getting a lot of calls about. Um, you know, all businesses that are staying open, so all essential businesses need to be allowing as many employees as possible to work from home, for instance. And I'm getting calls from people who work for essential businesses that are staying open and they could be working from home, but their employer isn't allowing that. So really to be complying with this order, employers need to be setting up ways for employees to work from home to the extent they can. Um, Employers need to be sending sick employees home. They need to make sure sick employees are not allowed access to the building. They need to have sick leave policies that don't punish people for taking time off because of the coronavirus pandemic. They need to make sure employees are socially distancing, so staying at least six feet away, providing protection supplies like soap, tissues, disinfectant, um, and making sure that they are cleaning high-touch surfaces to try to prevent infection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Things we ought to be doing at home, I suppose, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it, it may even be more important at work where people may not really have a choice about whether they come in. And, and so employers really do need to be taking that seriously. And what about uh, you know people... When I think about safety in the workplace, I think most people think of the Occupational Safety and Health Act, which is OSHA. Right. Um, What about that? Yeah. So most employers are subject to OSHA anyway, um, even outside of the pandemic. And, And it's a complex law, but at the basic level, it requires employers to have workplace standards and practices that promote health and safety of employees. And, and that continues to apply right now. Okay. So what about uh, the non-essential business? Yeah. So again, what, what we're hearing from a lot of people is that, hey, my employer is requiring me to work even though we're really not an essential business. And so if a business is choosing to stay open right now, they do need to make sure they are taking the protections that we just talked about, you know, allowing employees to work from home if they can, providing sanitation supplies, et cetera. Uh, If you're really concerned about this, you can report your business, your employer to the local non-emergency law enforcement number or to the health department. And employers really need to be prepared to justify their need to stay open right now if uh, the health department should call them and ask them about it. So for employees who have underlying conditions that 
increase their risk of complications from COVID-19, which is the disease caused by this coronavirus, I'm getting a lot of calls from employees like that too, because they obviously and understandably are very nervous about contracting this disease. So employees in that situation may be eligible for protections under the Americans with Disabilities Act or the Family and Medical Leave Act, depending on circumstances. And that might be something that would be good to talk to a lawyer about if, if somebody has questions about that. Um, and also it's good to know that the National Labor Relations Act protects employees who engage in what is called protected concerted activity. So employees who are working together to improve their employment situation or to improve their environment at work may also be protected. So if you're terminated for any of these reasons for, you know, advocating uh, for a, for a better workplace environment during this time, you may have the option to, to fight that termination. And so you should definitely contact a lawyer. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to note there, Aaron, that you do not have to be a union member to be covered by the National Labor Relations Act. Most people think that that's a law that protects uh, unionized employees, but it actually protects any group of employees that bands together. Uh, so if you're in a non-union environment and three or four of you get together and say to the boss, uh, hey, boss, uh, the, the environment's not clean you need to, to comply with this order. They are engaging in protected activity and they can't be retaliated against. Absolutely. And yeah, and, and, and the important thing people have to know there though, is it's got to be concerted activity. Um, and that, it means it's got to be more than one person. So it's, it's kind of funny. If you alone complain, you're not protected by the national labor relations act, but two or more people uh, are protected. So it's important to rally uh, support in the workplace if you feel it's unsafe. That's absolutely right. And uh, a great point for showing how sort of fact specific some of these situations can be. So if you're in a work situation where you don't think your employer is complying with the law, it's a great idea to consult with a lawyer to figure out the best way to go about trying to bring them into compliance. Yeah, and I guess uh, people are always afraid of reporting their employer to anybody, but certainly if you think your business shouldn't be open, you mentioned you can report your employer to the health department or the police, and I guess they have some protection against, or some protection for doing that, right? Yeah, maybe arguably, you know, in Ohio, most of the time employment is at will, but but there are some, there are, there are a lot of exceptions to that, and one exception is that you, you can't fire an employee for doing something to promote public policy or public values, I guess might be a better way to say it. So, you know, I think that employee may have an argument that, hey, I made this complaint in good faith because I felt that my safety was at risk and I felt that my employer wasn't complying with the law and then they retaliated against me by firing me. I think that employee may arguably have a claim that the employer terminated them in violation of public policy. Now, what if I'm on the job, Aaron, and I, and I just think it's unsafe? Can I just walk off? Well, the uh, Occupational Safety and Health Act that we talked about a minute ago does allow employees to refuse to work if they believe that their workplace presents what's called an imminent danger. Um, now, whether your workplace presents an imminent danger, again, is pretty fact-specific. It's got to be a pretty serious risk of death or incapacity that could occur, and it has to be something that, that would occur relatively quickly if you are required to work. Um, so could potential exposure to the coronavirus count as an imminent danger? It possibly could, depending on the circumstances, um, but OSHA are also sets out some steps that you want to follow before just walking off the job in order to be protected. So like you've got to report it to your employer and give them an opportunity to correct it before you just walk off. So again, another good situation where you should talk to a lawyer before you just walk off the job. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, these legal issues can sometimes take some time to resolve. So it's a good idea to try to work <laughs> it out first before just walking off the job and hoping you'll resolve it later. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people need to know that I think just a fear of contracting it in the workplace because there's other people around, I don't think that's going to be enough 
I, I think it's different if one of the coworkers has COVID nineteen and for some reason they're not being sent home. That may 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 rise to level, but I don't think you can just walk off if 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 you're afraid of getting COVID nineteen. I think you're almost certainly right as a general matter. Like you said, there may be some situations where it could rise to that level, but um, it, it's probably difficult to predict all the situations where that could be the case. But as a general matter, you're probably not protected if you just walk off the job because of a general fear. Yeah, and you know, um, there's a lot of employment lawyers out there, and oftentimes it's worth just a phone call. You know, I think workers need to be educated about their rights. And your job is so important to you. I mean, it's thousands of dollars in any one year you're going to make, uh, tens of thousands of dollars in your career, hopefully more than that, that if you spend a half an hour or an hour with a lawyer and you get answers to your questions and you become educated, that's going to benefit you for the rest of your career. Um, and I really hope people become more educated. Um, one of my goals, I read. I wrote a book called The Real Employee Handbook and the ABA Consumer Guide to Employee Rights. And one of my purposes was just to get education out there. So many people don't know their rights on the job. And yet it's such an, you know, the three most important things in everybody's life is your, your family, your religion, and your job. And and most people know their rights in the family. Most people know their what to do with their religion. And there's so many unanswered questions uh, that people have about their jobs. But again, I digress. I like to do that every once in a while, Aaron, <laughs> if, if you don't mind. So we've got essential businesses. Uh, they're staying open. We've got non-essential businesses are closing. So what should employees do when their business is closed? Yeah, they absolutely should file for unemployment. Um, both Ohio and the federal government have expanded access to unemployment. As you mentioned earlier, unemployment rates have skyrocketed in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, lots of employees have been laid off because their business has closed temporarily or permanently. Um, so, if you basically, if you are out of work for any reason related to COVID-19 or the coronavirus, um, you, you probably are eligible to receive unemployment benefits at this time. And that includes situations where maybe you are quarantining or isolating yourself on the or at the orders of your doctor or the health department because maybe you've been exposed to COVID-19 um, or maybe you're sick with COVID-19 or you're caring for a family member who has COVID-19 or you can't work because you're child's daycare or school has closed and you need to care for them, or you have an elderly relative whose care facility has closed and you have to care for them. Um, it really has expanded to include a lot of situations that it wouldn't ordinarily include. Uh, so it is not a bad idea at all to apply uh, if you are out of work for, for really any reason related to the pandemic. And ordinarily, employees would have to wait a week before they could collect unemployment benefits. But during this state of emergency, Governor DeWine has ordered that people can begin collecting benefits right away. And the benefits have been supplemented, I think, by the federal government, right? They have. Yeah. So in Ohio, like in most states, what you can collect each week is determined by your income while you are employed. Uh, but the federal government has said that they will increase benefits by $600 a week for workers. And that's on top of what you can get from Ohio. So more than ever, unemployment benefits will, you know, may come close to, to replacing a, a good chunk of your income, certainly more than they did before. And then, uh, Aaron, I'm reading about, uh, you know, and this is a, another one of these millennial terms, I guess, <laughs> uh, gig workers. First of all, uh, I read about that. I've heard the media talk about gig workers, but there's never a real explanation. What is a gig worker? Yeah, a gig worker is probably a, a type of worker that most people are more familiar with now than ever before. Um you know, you, you can't go out to restaurants and order food, but you can go on DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats and have somebody bring 
food to your door. Um, that person's a gig worker. The people who uh, do your grocery shopping for you and bring your groceries to you, uh, they're a gig worker. Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, they're a gig worker. So these are people who um, don't necessarily have an employer where, that, where they have a set schedule. These are people who can just agree to work at a particular time to perform a particular service on any given day at any given time that that they decide they want to do so. So um, ordinarily, those gig workers are not considered employees of the company. And so when they lose their ability to work for the for Uber or Lyft or Instacart or whatever, they can't collect unemployment benefits because they weren't employees. But now for the first time, gig workers are eligible to collect unemployment benefits if they can't work because of the pandemic. So I guess gig workers comes from the idea that uh, singers and bands would go out and do a gig? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, You know, like a a singer who maybe just books a job, um, that this these gig workers can say, okay, I want to drive for Uber today. I'm going to open my Uber app and say, I'm available to drive for Uber and I'm available to, for people to request rides from me. But the employer doesn't control when they do that. The, 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 the gig worker is in charge of their own schedule. Now, how about people that run their own business? Independent contractors might have a staffing company, uh, you know, other self-employed people. Are they eligible for unemployment? They are. Ordinarily, they would not be, but like gig workers, independent contractors, and self-employed people are eligible if they are out of work as a result of the pandemic. And how does a person literally go about the process of applying for unemployment? Do you have to stand in line someplace? Thankfully, no, not anymore. Uh, The Ohio Department of Job and Family Services processes unemployment claims in Ohio, and every state, I believe, has a similar type of agency that processes claims. Um, And these days, you can apply over the phone or even online. Now, we are hearing from a lot of people that there is a a massive backlog of applications. Uh, I think that last week in Ohio, Basically, as many people applied for unemployment as applied over the entire year in 2019. So um, they are increasing the number of people who can process applications and they are working to get through all of those, but you may see some delays. However, the governor has confirmed that your benefits will be backdated to the day you became eligible, even if it takes them a few weeks to approve your application. You know, I was just thinking, Aaron, about I, I referenced the Great Depression earlier. And how you see those iconic pe- pictures of people standing in unemployment lines and soup kitchen lines. We, we've still got the soup kitchen lines, obviously, but nowadays you don't have to stand in line anymore for unemployment benefits. You, I guess you stand online, <laughs> I, and and some and sometimes you have to wait a while while you're standing <laughs> online. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the benefit is you still have to wait. That's the downside, but the benefit is you can wait from the comfort of your own home. Right. Um, let's see. Um, what What about people that have they quit their jobs? Uh, are they eligible for unemployment benefits? Yeah, we are seeing. You know, we're hearing from people who are quitting their jobs because they feel unsafe working right now, and um, this is a tough one. There are some circumstances where you can be eligible for benefits if you quit due to unsafe working conditions, but you know, like we talked about um, earlier. Quitting because of a general fear of contracting coronavirus or COVID-19 may not meet that standard. And so before you just walk off the job, it'd be a good idea to talk to a lawyer about whether your situation might meet the criteria for you to get benefits. Okay, good. That's, that's a lot on unemployment compensation. How about people that are working for like an essential business? but then they have to miss work for uh, coronavirus-related reasons. Are there legal protections out there for them? Yeah, so uh, most people have heard of like the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Family and Medical Leave Act. Um, it, it's not really clear to what extent these laws might apply. Um, you know, COVID-19 is 
it's a respiratory illness like the flu, although it's more severe than the flu. And generally, those types of illnesses don't count as disabilities under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But if you have another disability that makes you at increased risk for complications from COVID-19, like if you have lung problems or heart problems, then possibly you could get an accommodation to work from home under the ADA. Um, under the Family and Medical Leave Act, you also may be entitled to take leave if you are sick or caring for somebody who's sick with COVID-19. Um, and th the only downside there is FMLA leave is unpaid. But there are some new laws that have gone into effect recently that will help with that. Right. And I guess under the ADA, I guess... Uh there are psychological disorders sometimes that are covered by the ADA, maybe an anxiety disorder um, of some sort. If you're diagnosed by a physician that says you have an anxiety disorder because you're afraid of the COVID-19, that may qualify, I, I suppose. Nobody really knows. I mean, this is new uncharted territory. Yeah, this is new territory, but I have been hearing from people who are in that exact situation whose doctors have recommended that they take leave or work from home to help with their anxiety. Um, and, you know, I, I think it would be an employer's best interest to try to work with that if they can. Yeah, I've been trying to preach. Everybody just use some common sense. Now, there was also an Emergency Family Medical Leave Act uh, that came into effect uh, the other day, I think uh, April 1st. That's right. So ordinarily, like I said, FMLA leave is unpaid. Um, but this emergency FMLA covers you if you're unable to work in a very specific situation, which is that you need to care for a child whose school or daycare has closed. Now, under this emergency FMLA, you can get 12 weeks of leave, and part of that would be paid. Right. Now, how long do you have to have worked for an employer to be eligible for the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act? Just 30 days. So ordinarily, to be entitled to FMLA leave, you have to have worked for an employer for a year. Uh, this emergency FMLA reduces that to 30 days, so you can be eligible for that much sooner. Okay. And then um, there's also an emergency paid sick leave act? That's right. So if you need to miss work because of a coronavirus-related reason, meaning you're isolating yourself or quarantining yourself because you are sick or you've been exposed to COVID-19 or because you're caring for somebody who's sick, et cetera, um, you can be eligible for this paid sick leave. Now, this is pretty groundbreaking because there is no entitlement to paid sick leave at, at the federal level. There is no law that requires employers to give paid sick leave. So this is kind of the first time that federal law has said paid sick leave is required in some situations. And, and one thing I would draw people's attention to is that you can be entitled to this emergency paid sick leave even if you're experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. So fever, coughing, difficulty breathing, uh, et cetera. It, as most people know, it's really hard to get tested for COVID-19 right now. And so even if you believe you may have it because you're experiencing symptoms, you still are entitled to this emergency paid sick leave. Well, you know, we, we were talking about people telecommuting and how that may change the workforce in the future. I just wonder if, you know, the battle over paid sick leave, now that there's some paid sick leave recognized by the federal government, whether it's going to be easier for politicians you know, our legislators to pass paid sick leave in our country. You know, we're one of the few industrialized countries without paid sick leave. And I guess I'm hopeful that when the pandemic ends, we can actually get some legislation that makes uh, like the FMLA paid. Because nowadays, if you go out on FMLA, it's unpaid. You've got to exhaust all your vacation and sick days that you're entitled to, and then you go unpaid for a while. Yeah, I, um, I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, independent contractors, again, and self-employed uh, people who can't work because they're sick? Yeah, so they are eligible to take a tax credit for days that they can't work because they are sick. Um, so they, they aren't eligible to receive pay uh, because 
you know, they work for themselves. And so there's really no one to pay them other than themselves, but, but they can take a tax credit if they can't work. Um, and that's, that is beyond my area of expertise, but that'd be a good opportunity for you to talk to a tax expert when you, when you're filing your taxes for 2020. Yeah, I'm not a tax expert either. I just know that at least it's a tax credit as opposed to a tax deduction. Absolutely. You know, so it's so it's dollar for dollar. If you owe two thousand dollars in taxes and you can get a tax credit for two thousand, it actually makes your bill zero. Yep. Uh, so that's great. Um, what about you know? I mentioned earlier about people that have to exhaust their accrued vacation pay or their sick leave if they're out on FMLA. Can your employer take away your existing accrued vacation or sick leave? No. And this is an important protection for workers in the law. If you already had, say, two weeks of paid sick leave from your employer, your employer can't take that away from you and tell you you know, well, now that this new federal law has been passed giving you sick leave, we're just going to give you that and take away uh, the leave that you previously had. They can't do that. Okay. And how about, um, we talked about the lack of testing. Can, it, can, can my employer take my temperature when I come to work? Ordinarily, no. Um, ordinarily, employers may not perform medical examinations of employees, but under, you know, this is obviously an unprecedented situation and, and the EEOC, which is the, the federal agency that enforces discrimination laws, um, has said, well, th- there, there's a public interest in stopping the pandemic. And so employers may take temperatures of employees in order to identify employees who may be sick. I know we've got a thermometer at our office. Now, I haven't been to the office in about 10 days. <laughs> And so I guess I should do that at home. Um, now, how about this normal discrimination laws in the sense of what if a company uh, lays off some of its workforce, but not all of its workforce? Yeah, workplace discrimination laws in general continue to apply. There, there are some exceptions, like the one we just talked about with employers being allowed to take temperatures. But And your employer is allowed to lay people off if they legitimately have a, a you know business concern related to the pandemic. But your employer can't decide who to lay off based upon age, race, sex, or other protected classes. Um, one, one thing that I'm reading a lot about is a stigma against people of Asian descent as a result of the coronavirus. Um, obviously, the, the this new coronavirus first appeared in China, but there's nothing about uh, being from China or having you know having that be your your heritage that makes you more susceptible to the disease or spreading the disease. So, the CDC has issued guidance saying not to show prejudice to people of Asian descent because of fear of the of the virus or assume that someone of Asian descent is more likely to have COVID-19. Um, but, you know, again, like I said, your employer still cannot violate, if they're selecting who to lay off, they can't make that decision based upon, well, we're going to lay off the older workers or we're going to lay off workers of a certain race or a certain sex. Um, and if you believe that you've been targeted for layoff for one of those reasons, you should you know, reach out to a lawyer and, and see what you might be able to do. Yeah, that's one of my great fears. I think uh, some employers uh, may take advantage of this situation and and target the older workers, women, the disabled, and like you say, people of uh, different national origins. Now, if somebody at my work uh, catches COVID-19, and I'm, I'm still at work because it's an essential business, is my boss required to tell me that my coworker has COVID-19? Well, there may not be an employment law specifically that requires that, but it's good public health policy to inform other employees. I mean, the only way to get through this pandemic is if we stop it from spreading. And so letting people know that they may have been exposed is just good policy. Um, sending employees home who exhibit symptoms is required under Ohio's stay-at-home order. So employers should certainly be doing that. And the CDC is also recommending that employers warn other employees who may have been exposed to a COVID-positive employee. Um, Now, that does not mean that the employer has to tell you who has been diagnosed with COVID-19. And in reality, in a small workplace, can most people probably figure out who it is, yes, but um, the ADA does still protect the privacy of employees' health information. So if 
an employer should tell their employees if someone's been diagnosed, but they should not disclose the name of the employee. And I guess going along with that, you know, there's a lot of workers under pressure to keep their wages going. What about the employee? We, you know, we always talk about the rights of employees in the workplace, but what about the responsibility of a worker who catches COVID-19? Does that worker have to tell their coworkers, their boss? Again, technically, no. Um, that employer could just take sick leave and and not disclose the reason. Um, but again, I think it's good public policy to do so. And also, if you want to take sick leave or that emergency FMLA leave we talked about, you're going to have to tell your employer about your that you've tested positive in order to receive the protections of those laws. So I would encourage employees to share that with their employer. Okay, Aaron. So uh, this has been really good today. Uh, I think I want to get your crystal ball out again, if you don't mind. We talked about the telecommuting. How long is this stay-at-home order going to last? When can I go out and go to bars and restaurants? Well, Do you happen to have some sort of inside information? <laughs> I wish I did. Uh, all I can say is that Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton extended Ohio's stay-at-home order to May 1st, um, that they announced that yesterday. So certainly it's going to continue at least that long. And um, based on what I'm reading, I expect it to last even beyond that. But uh, we'll see. I guess we will. Hey, Aaron. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to join us today. I know you're busy at work. It's been a great time, very interesting, and obviously it's very timely. Thank you for the opportunity. It's It's been really fun. So ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of Freaking Out About Work with Randy Freaking, the podcast about everything related to your work, your rights and responsibilities in the workplace. Whether you're a minimum wage worker, a blue or white collar employee, or an executive, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and will tune in next time when we explore more about working. I want to conclude this episode from Studs Turkle that I find valuable. Quote, work is about a search for daily meaning as well as daily bread, for recognition as well as cash for astonishment rather than apathy. In short, for a sort of life rather than a Monday through Friday sort of dying, unquote. Let's hope that we can all find daily meaning as well as daily bread and recognition as well as monetary benefits. See you next time on Freaking Out About Work and please spread the word if you have enjoyed this podcast. Tell your friends how easy it is to go to freakingoutabout.com. And freaking out about is all one word. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>